Okay, how are we going there? Nearly finished? Just while we're finishing off, I just want to just express how uh, grateful Pastor Peter and I are to you all for just making us so welcome. Um, it's really been a joy for us to be here with you. You know, thank you. It's been great with the marriage enrichment and now also with the uh, School of Prophets. We have indeed have a, had a wonderful week for those of you who are able to be there would, would realise that. And as you've heard this morning, it's just been an awesome time. This is our third time coming to the uh, Dream Centre and uh, Pastor and Peter and I were remarking on how every time we've come here we just see the church growing and growing, going from strength to strength and uh, your pastors as well, your eldership. Look, I'd really uh, like you to open your Bibles right now to Second Chronicles chapter 15. I think this, this chapter really sums up what God has been doing and is going to continue to do in this house. And um, it's about a king called um, Asa. So 2 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. God is very much with you guys because in your hearts you're with him. And you really sense that God is right here present in the midst. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will be forsaking you. And we've been really pushing in and seeking him and seeking his heart as you have. And for a long time, Israel was without the true God. When we've spoken this week about church usual and church unusual, I think where the separation lies is, is how understanding of God, a revelation of who God is, without that we can't fully build the church as God intended. Like Peter, Peter understood that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And with that full revelation of who Jesus was, Jesus was able to build the church. But the church that we've known, the church usual, have been limited in their understanding of who God is and therefore there's been a limit on how they could build the church and they don't really know the true God yet what we're finding is we open our hearts and really seek him with all our hearts see him in the fullness of who he is when we worship him it lifts our eyes it opens our eyes as we with our whole heart respond to him we see who God really is and that's the true God and so this is what's happening here we're really seeing the true God and not only that um Without a priest to teach, God has blessed you with wonderful priests here to teach you the truth about who God is, to teach you correct doctrine, apostolic doctrine, and without the law, and that's the word of God. And you're getting the word of God in its purest form, not just a dead word, not just a religious word, but a word that is living and alive and sharper than a double-edged sword. A word that is proceeding from the mouth of God. A word that is, brings life to you. That's what the sort of word you're getting. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him and he was found by them. In those days, this was the environment they were living in. And we can see a lot of similarities to the, this day and age as well. Uh, it wasn't safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. And you might look around in Manchester, you might look around in Britain or the nations of the world and the turmoil that's happening. But God is saying, 
don't be discouraged. Don't give up. As we continue to seek him with all our hearts, to follow him obediently, to do what his dream is, we're going to see things change. And we can take courage like Asa did in verse 8. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. And this is really what I want to say to you this morning, church. Take courage. The word that you've heard, specifically some of you have had words. If you didn't have a specific prophecy, no matter, because the whole conference was a prophecy. It was a word to you. It was giving you very clear instructions about what to do. And you need to take courage. Why do you need that courage? Because the courage actually motivates us to act. The courage actually motivates us to change things, to not stay as it was. We can take courage because we know that God is with us. And so he took courage and immediately he removed the detestable idols. So I believe that God, as he's spoken to you, have a look at your life. What is it that you need to remove out of your life? What is it that's getting between you and God? There's anything there that's getting between you and God as an idol, you need to remove it very quickly. The courage is there. It's like the grace is there. As that word has been preached over this week, and it's going to be preached again today to you, take courage, rid of anything that stops you coming to God. Um, and from the towns he'd captured in the Havana, he repaired the altar. And Pastor Tony spoke to us about how God was measuring and measuring the altar, that place where we come and worship, that place where God is the centre of everything. He's repairing that in this church, unusual. He's bringing the altar back to how it should be, that place of worship, that place of sacrifice. Then all Judah and Benjamin, the people from Ephraim and Nasser and Simeon who had settled among them for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw the Lord, his God, was with him. I believe this is a prophetic word to you this morning, Pastor Tony, that large numbers are going to assemble to you. They're going to come to this church because they know that the true God is with you. They know that when they come here, they'll get the true teaching. They'll get life. They'll get church unusual. They won't get religion. People everywhere are hungry. They're discouraged and dissatisfied with what they're being fed right now. And that isn't that we want to, um, do you have that phrase, steal sheep from other churches? We don't want to do that. But God is saying that my people are going hungry. My people are lost and harassed without true shepherds. And he's going to bring them into the fold. He's going to bring them because they know here there is the true God is with you. And then in verse 11, it talks about how they sacrificed. They worshipped. Then in verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord with all their heart and all their soul. And that is growing amongst you more and more. As we spoke this, this week about the core, who really was the core, those who are serious, those who mean business, those who are willing to sacrifice and make covenant and lay their lives down, they're the ones that as, as, as you do that, God is really going to bring a blessing there. There's a covenant because you decide, I'm going to, no matter what, God is number one and I'm going to seek him in this house with my heart and my soul. 
Verse 13 is a bit scary. <laughs> All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death, whether small, great man or woman. And if we spiritualize that, basically it means that spiritually, if you're not willing to seek God with all your heart and soul, we're coming to those days where darkness is increasing, but light also. And there's no gray area. You can't pussyfoot around in the middle. You've got to get serious with God. Otherwise, you, it's very easy for us to die spiritually, to go religious, because there's, there's, there's no in-between. Then they took an oath, and it really reminded me as we we're doing that this morning in worship, to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting, with trumpets and horns. They made a big racket to God as they made that oath. They rejoiced because they had sworn it wholeheartedly, and they sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. That's the thing. Often we think, oh, I'm going to seek you, God, but there's always in the back of our mind that God's going to play hard to get. That we're not going to find him, that, that we'll do our best, but for, because there's something wrong with us or God's mean or whatever, but he won't be found by us. But God is, here's a promise. He is going to be found by you. He is going to be there. So that is amazing. So, God, so they sought God eagerly. And then he got rid of his grandmother. Verse 16. Why did he get rid of his grandmother? Because she'd built up an idol. She'd built a detestable idol to um, Asherah. Now, God might cause you not to kill your grandmother, but I really believe that means if there's people in your life, even if they're relatives, that are preventing you from seeking God wholeheartedly, that are affecting you, you need to deal with it and, and, and draw the line. doesn't mean you, you, you reject them or whatever, but you say, I and my house are going to serve God 100% and go for it. And so we see that Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all of his life. And he brought into the temple of God the silver and gold, the articles that he and his father had dedicated. And it's like these two men have brought their father, Papa Jonathan, they're bringing the riches. They're bringing the good stuff into the temple that is enriching the house, enriching it and building it up and, and stuff that is of great value. And there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. And so it's like there's peace. It's like you actually rise above and grow to such a strength and such a place of unity that the enemy can no longer attack you and you have peace on every side. And that's what I believe is coming. Amen. So I'm just going to ask Pastor Peter to continue on now. Wonderful. It's very, very good. It, um, it must have been very brave of that king because uh, grandmother is usually a very endeared person and very respected and honoured person. Over many, many years that would have been formed in his heart. But because he had made a stand for his God and even the most dear people in your life, if they want to go the other way, you've got to make a stand. Old Testament, they kill with us. It says don't even... Eat with them. Don't fellowship with them. You know, you might say hello to them or whatever, but it's like I'm not going to engage my life with someone who's going in the wrong direction. Uh, but I engage my life with as many people as I can. My best friends are the people going God's way. My very best friends. Some are in family and some aren't, but they're my very best friends. They're going to be my long-term friends for life. I've made that up. Uh, I've made that decision in my life. So uh, Pastor Andrew Kavanagh has been with me for 20 plus years and so on. He's a very dear friend. But if he walks away from God, I have to have other dear friends. 
you know, it's, I've had some men of God that have walked away from me and they said, Peter, we miss you so much. We want you, we want to fellowship with you. I said, I can't. I'm staying on the same path. You changed the path. So it's, it's a decision you have to make. But if you put friendships over the word of God, you'll be taken out. And uh, it's even David, he says, you know, even your very best friends, he says in the Psalms, when they turn against you, it's so hard, so difficult. So um, our job is to bring the future into the present today. That's our job. This is the prophetic morning, this. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, it was the foundational morning. It was Christ. We spoke on Christ. It's, uh, it's just amazing having Sam here with us. Uh, Sam's an MC graduate. So he's graduated. Were you in Joe's year? One after Joe's year. So you weren't in either? Okay. So I, I can't keep track of all the years they are in with each other. But uh, that's where uh, Sam's, I think, stirring for a second year, aren't you? So you're going to obviously get to know Scott quite well. and that, So he's going to be doing second year with Scott next year, it looks like. Is that secret information, Scott? Is it? No. Not anymore. <laughs> I just, I just, because I'm the father of the work, I can make all these mistakes. And Caleb says, Caleb, you know, I wear jeans up the front. And Caleb says, well, you're the father. You do what you want to wear. But this is what I'd like everyone else to wear. <laughs> so I just, Caleb says, well, you're the man. You do what you want to do. So, I think so, it's, so I'm sorry if I've let that secret out. Did you know that, girls? Oh, boy, I've really let it out. Okay. Facebook tonight. <laughs> uh, Oh, sorry, Sam. Anyhow, sorry, Caleb. Forgive me, Lord. All right, let's, we'll move right along then. Um, so it's just, it's exciting, the connections and young people coming here. Uh, this, uh, this morning's a lot to do with young people and the word that God's given me as I, uh, um, in the middle of the night, woke up this morning, I can't remember when, uh, but God starts to speak to you. There's certain words I didn't reveal in the School of Prophets and I wondered why, and then the Lord reminded me of those words to bring them this morning. So it's more personal to the church here today. But... Um, I look at Karen and I and our grace. Uh, Pastor Tony asked me a question a few days ago, a few weeks ago. He said, so what do you want to bring? What do you got? And I, I was you know, thinking, it's just, this is totally not about me. It's totally about God and Manchester and you and your work. And I, I said, oh, that's wonderful. So I'm, I'm here to help build. And, but what do we have to build? We have a pioneering spirit in our church, a very strong pioneering spirit. And I believe this is the major connection with your pastor and your church. You are pioneering also here in Manchester. And that grace, when you synergize graces together, it, it becomes very powerful. Pastor Tony and I have lots of pastors we long to connect with, but we can't synergize with because they've got inferiority, they're jealous, they've got all sorts of insecurities and so on. And we found each other and it's just great. We can just be real with each other. There's not like an insecurity and so on. Like I can, we can send Scott. There's no problems. Three girls can come here. There's no problems. That sort of thing. It's, are they his? Are they mine? They're God's. But, you know, he'll father them and I'll father Scott. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's flowing together, isn't it? But if you're insecure, you know, we only got Scott and you know, now you've given you three girls. And, you know, it's just, it's stupid. Stupid. Not even that's even in my mind. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm only <laughs> so, it's, so it's just good. And, and the discipling we have and other things and the graces. They mix and flow together and I've um, been writing notes on his um, uh, stand-up bearers and, and uh, just things that Tony's mentioned I'm writing down and so on. So I, I received that from my brother and that's what's supposed to be happening. 
all the time. You know, my son Caleb says to me, Dad, you go, no matter where you go to, whatever speaker, you get something out of it and you're preaching it next. Because there's always some life to be taken somewhere. And uh, it's, that's the exciting part about it. Uh, the uh, first, this is, it's going to be a mixed bag this morning, but uh, so I'm not going to go to the scripture so much, but 2 Kings 2 speaks about um, Elijah and Elijah and how it relates to the work here is you have these four places in action in your church. The first place mentioned in 2 Kings 2 is Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of circumcision. Gilgal is the place of circumcising your heart. This church is going to move more and more into transparency and being heart and real in the heart. So if you don't want to get real in your heart, I'm just giving you an opportunity if you want to move on now. Because this church is going to get very real in the heart and they're going to be circumcising their hearts. Gilgal is where it all started. Then they moved to Bethel together, Elijah and Elijah. Notice it's father-son combination. That's what's uh, very strong in this house. But they're moving through different stages. Then, then the next stage is Bethel. Bethel is the place of an open heaven. Bethel is the place of church. Your church is going to be a Bethel. It's going to be an open heaven. It's going to be a place where the heavens open up over it. But why do you get there? Because you uh, you can only approach Bethel or uh, Mount Zion with a clean heart and clean hands and clean lips. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to be cleaned up in your life. This is so important. In this uh, days of uh, you know just gross uncleanness today, there's going to be this pure breed just come out, and it's like, wow! How do you keep that way? You know, we've got uh, uh, ones in our church. You know, they caught and so on. Some a lot of them at their first kiss is at, at the wedding ceremony, and so on. It's very pure. It's very amazing. And people go, how do you do that? Well, through God. You know, through an open heaven, through Bethel, through circumcision of your heart and so on. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I just love that. The next phase is your church is coming into, and it is in there already, is Jericho, where it prophetically is speaking at walls in your city and prophetically commanding walls to come down. This church already, it's prophetically those walls were removed. It's one of the greatest miracles ever, but it's moving into a whole new stage, a whole new government, and their first opposition, they just stood and shouted at the walls. And the, and the theologians tell us, the geologists tell us that the walls went straight into the ground. They found them straight into the ground. They didn't fall that way or that way. Shoom, went down. And that's where, uh, that's what's happening in this church right now. But the whole purpose, why is this purpose? It's the, because of Jordan. The purpose of this church is Jordan is to get a whole generation that's stuck in the desert across into the promises of God. This church, the whole aim of these three steps, why are we cleaning up our hearts? Why do we have an open heaven? Oh, why do we stand and proclaim and pull down walls? It's to get a whole generation across the Jordan, which is suffering, which is death, Jordan means, into the promised land. And that's, there's a whole generation that are desperately wanting to come in to the promises of God. No longer just surviving and going round in circles in the desert and dying there, but coming into promises, prosperity, wealth, destiny, taking cities and so on. That's the whole purpose of this. That's why God is doing this. And it's through a father-son relationship. Elijah, Elijah. That spirit of Elijah causes the hearts of the fathers to turn to the children and the children back to the fathers. That's the relationship. 
That's, that's the, the power of that relationship. So it's the spirit of Elijah that causes that, to do that and, and the power of that. So I just want to encourage, that's the first thing. It's the next generation. This church is going to get heavier and heavier for the next generation coming into the promised land. And that's the whole purpose of it. So, But you as a church have to clean up your hearts. You as a church have to come into an open heaven. You as a church has to stand and proclaim together. It's all synergizing and standing together in order to get there. That is what God has set in this house. That's what God uh, had that word right throughout the school of prophets, but he's kept it just to say it for this house. And that's the call on this house and the destiny. The women in this house, number two, the women in this house are going to rise with a whole new authority, a whole new destiny and power. And I just, uh, God spoke to me clearly on that. And the women are going to rise with, uh, their mouths are going to be opened up. There's a new authority. Uh, every word that they utter is going to be God words and so on. And not, no flesh coming out. It's just going to be God. The women are going to become very powerful in this house. And uh, they're going to find a new courage and a new boldness. Karen start to speak about that. So I just encourage that. Can I just ask uh, Carol to stand up, Ange to stand up. Could you just stand up, Carol? And Ange, come down here, please. And uh, uh, Emma, could you stand up? And Shirley, stand up. Women that have been faithful in this house for years and years and years. And so on, just standing down the front here and so on. Uh, and just uh, any other women in the house that want to stand with these women, could you stand now, please? Because I just want to speak this declaration over you and speak this out over your life. All right? Just standing. You can stand there or you can... Stand at the front, whatever you want to do. You should come and stand. Be in this, ladies. If you want to be in this, this is what I'm just going to declare over your life. In Nehemiah 4, verse 2, the enemy came at Nehemiah to shut him down. Shut up, Nehemiah. And I really believe the enemy's come at women here to shut you down. It's, it's right over England. It's right over Manchester. But someone has to break out in it. Someone has to break out. You don't speak any silly words. You've got to speak life. You've got to speak what God is saying. Nehemiah had no problems. He laughed at these words. But these words came at him. There's seven accusations coming at you. You get the tape. You listen to them. You pray over them. You break them over your life. I believe God is going to give you this strategy today. The first thing he says, he attacks the character. First thing, he attacks your character. The enemy's always at your character. Feeble Jews, he calls them. Feeble Christians. In the name of Jesus, no longer will your character be attacked. You must have an answer. I am a daughter of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. So the minute your character is in subjection, I'm a daughter of the king. Need to come back with. Second thing, he attacks their maturity or their motives. Are you going to restore them for yourself, the walls? Is it all about you? So the enemy comes to attack your motives. And you need to say, no, I have a plan in God. I have a purpose in God. I have a destiny in God. This is my motive. Your motive must be a motive of love. That's what the motive in the Bible is. Our motive must be always love. And so I'm just pronouncing that over your life. Please get hold of these things. You're going to break a spirit over your life. Because if it's not broken over you, many women will still be bound. The key, God's giving you a key. If Ange has the key, every lady she meets gets the key. It's that the key gets passed on. Third, third is they'll take your qualifications. 
Can they offer sacrifices? Are you priests? Who do you think you guys are? You're, you're out of your depth is the attack. I'm qualified by God. I'm called by God. I'm ordained by God. I'm set apart by God. I am precious to God. You must know who you are. Nehemiah knew who he was. He knew his purpose. And no matter what the intimidation was, he wouldn't receive it. Intimidation is the enemy of the prophetic. It will always fight who you really are in God. And that's the third area. Ladies, you've got to stand the fourth area. It will attack your zeal and your passion. Can they finish it in a day? Are you able to really make a change to Manchester? Will ladies really follow you? They'll check, take your zeal and your passion. I believe I'm carrying something precious. I believe I have treasure within and I believe they'll come to that treasure and it will change their lives. You've got to understand that. I believe even our connections churches, we're, we're a bit further down the road and so on. And it, you're welcome to come and visit the church with Pastor Tony when he comes out to our School of Prophets. Better invite him to our School of Prophets. And so, and come, check it out. Just Pastor Tony, Pastor Phil's got a good glimpse of that. Scott's got it, getting a very good glimpse of that now. And so on. And it gives you courage. gives you boldness. Someone else has gone there. That pioneering anointing in your life. We've got to speak life. It's so important. Number five, they'll attack your grace. Can they revive these stones? Can you make people come? Stones of people, everyone. Can you really bring people alive? Can you bring them into a revival? Can you really get them up and going? These stones are burnt and gone. You can't build with them. I just declare over you, you're going to build into people's lives. You're going to build mighty stones. You're going to build and you're going to see them built together with a purpose in this house. And we're really going to go somewhere. Really going to go somewhere. God's after you, ladies. God's after you, ladies. I'm telling you, uh, you're going to become very powerful in God's midst. And they, uh, they attack your hope. It, it says uh, what they're, they're building couldn't stand the weight. It will just crumble. It's like, oh, what you're building won't even last. We, just, we are building a great thing for God here. We are building a, a church that many young people are going to come in. Her worship's going to break open. This church is going to go out and send and break forth and so on. We're building something that will last and will have a legacy. And see, this is, you've got to fight this with all your hearts. There's only six, sorry, there's only six. Seven's perfection, is it? Father God, we just seal it right now. And seal it right now on these ladies. Father God, I declare over them great characters in Christ, great motives, God motives, great qualifications through Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, zeal and passion like they've never known before, zeal for the house of God. Father God, their grace arising, Lord God, their grace growing and their hope coming, faith and their faith being powerful, we declare in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And all the ladies said, yeah. Amen. Good. Praise God. Have a seat. Have a seat. You know, ladies, what I've just read out there, you know, ooh, that happens. Yeah, I got to take a step and oh, uh, you've got to pull that down. Got to hit that down. I'm telling you, Shirley, you're going to get so strong if you can get hold of this, Shirley. Get hold of it. Get hold of it. The enemy wants you always doubting. Doubting isn't faith. He wants you in fear. He wants to intimidate you. God has not given you that spirit of timidity, Timothy. He's given you a spirit of love. That's motive. Power. Holy Ghost there. 
So my life was, whatever I was in charge of, and it wasn't working properly, what is your plan, God? How will you do it? And God taught me how to deliver, and God taught me how to transform people. God taught me how to prophesy. God taught me all these things. But I was faced with, you know, it's not going to work. Who do you think you are, Peter? All those things hit you as you go to build. When we first went to School of Prophets in 1992 with, with Pastor um, Dr. Jonathan David, intimidation was the main thing that God broke in my life. So before that, I felt inferior. I felt like a second-class citizen. I felt like a spare appendage to Pastor Peter. So I was happy to support him in his ministry. I was happy to look after the children, look after the home, to be there, to be by his side, to do whatever. But when I saw the intimidation, when I saw that it was actually the enemy lying to me, robbing from me, taking me out of what my destiny was, I got really angry and I started to pray against that. And that's what we need to do, ladies. We need to pray against that. I'm married to a pretty amazing man. You'll all agree with me. And uh, he's very gifted. And, um, you know, sometimes it could make me feel very inferior. Sometimes, like, to even get up and speak, you know, I think, well, why bother? Because he covers it so well. But I really believe that, ladies, if you don't stand up, if you don't break this intimidation, then your church will only be as half as good as what God intended for it to be. God chose Adam and Eve together to be one, and the two of them would multiply and be fruitful and take dominion. It's the two of you. It's both. It's the women and the men, and not just the women doing all the domestic stuff in the church. God has put in you the same spirit that is in God. You, my, our spirits are neither male nor female. Our spirits are both created in the image of God. It's got nothing to do with our gender. Our gender has to do with other roles we have. But in the spirit, we are equal and we are the same. And that is how you must see yourself. And if you don't, it's because you're believing the lies of the enemy. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, careful of Pastor Karen. She's okay. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's great. It's great that she gets up here. And I'll encourage her today. I'll go and say, that was so good you're getting up. Come up with me. Let's stand together. How many children would have Adam and Eve had if he had got rid of Eve? How many nations would have come out of that? How many cities? It would have just been steam with nothing, no legacy. Cool. Okay. So it, we've got to be looking at uh, just the, the more mature generation here, that generations are running with uh, Tony and Carol here. It's uh, opening up your hearts, opening up your homes. Uh, your wisdom is crucial. Pastor Phil, Pastor Tony's wisdom, it's so crucial as God spoke to me this morning about you both where it's the battles you've been through. The wisdom that these guys will save Paul and Emma so much hassle, will save Dave and Lisa so much hassle if you stick to the fathers. You know, I've got young men running at high levels but they tap into the wisdom. Uh, they can maintain high levels at a, a very young age because they continue to honour and draw from that wisdom. That's, it's, it's powerful. That's where I can say, Caleb, I wouldn't do that because of this. This is my of that. And, so, and that's where it's, he draws from that constantly. He said, I only want to do what my father's taught me. So crucial in that person's life. 
You've got wisdom sitting here in the house. You've got to draw from that. Hang on their words. Connect with it. Open up at your homes. We, As the next generation came in that wanted to get across the promised land, we open up our homes in our church. We have more homes than ever now. One stage, it was very difficult. One stage, we had more people in our home than we could cope with. And it was difficult, but the whole church has come with us. It's opening up a home. It's opening up your resources, your car, driving is around. It's opening up the resources you have. You have the time to help that next generation as they come in. And so on. As your children grow up, the most important thing in your life, and when you're in our age group, Karen and I, I'm going back to talk to this to uh, a group of probably about 40 or 50 in our church, our age, to speak to them about finishing well. You finish well in two ways. You finish well if you help the next generation, and you finish well if you help your society. That's the two majors. That's the greatest satisfaction. Because when you're really old, and when I come into my afterglow, like Billy Graham is, the big question is, did my life count? And you've got to live with that for the last decade of your life. Did it count? Because it's, when you're that old, you can't make a big change. Does that make sense? All right. Okay, so that next generation is important. And uh, just uh, what I get with that is Nehemiah 5. I'm going to get onto the word in a minute. I'm trying to get there. All right. Uh, Nehemiah 5. It says the word there in verse 5, Nehemiah 5, 5, is they were powerless. The next generation were powerless because they are held in a spirit of poverty. That's why I got the ladies to stand up this morning. That's why I'm saying get alongside your fathers. That's why I'm appealing to those ones to rise. That's where you're going to have to, Paul's going to have to have a team. You know, David, you're going to have to have a team. As Tony has a team, you've got to have a team. As the men rise, Z, Raph, all those, you've got to have teams with you. You're not just your pastor. It's a one-cell church at present. And it's got to break into multi-cells. So multi-cells mean Phil has his team. You know, Paul has his team and Emma and, and, so, and Dave and so on. You start multiplying. You have teams. So your team looks after all the new ones coming in. Pastor Leanne Tanner does that. She looks after all the new ones that come in. That's, and she got to get a team for that. So you've got to do the work of ministry. That's where you train up others to do your ministry. That's an ascension gift. So when we have uh, disciples come through, we go, we don't know if you're ascension gift or not, but if you can train up others to do the work of ministry, you might be. That's what will look at people's lives. Will people gather around you, can train you and multiply yourself in others. So you're no longer doing it. They're doing all the follow-up. So Pastor Leanne has all these ones doing the follow-up. Pastor Peter has all these ones uh, running the discipling. So this, the, the, these are important things. And then you know, oh, you have an ascension gift. What I really felt is like, but this is Nehemiah 4 and 6. Nehemiah 5, they were powerless. There was mortgages. The sons and daughters were in slavery. The sons and daughters of Manchester were in slavery. We've got to bring them out of that slavery. We've got to give them a place of freedom. Where, where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. We've got to bring them into that place of powerlessness. How I've got no mum and dad. I've got no job. I've got no hope. I've got no purpose. You know, there's only drugs and sex offered to me, but there's got to be more. And that's where we've got to bring them out of that. And I know in this church it has an anger, like in Nehemiah 5, 6. Nehemiah was very angry. There's an anger in this church. It's a godly anger. It's, we're going to rise up. We're going to proclaim. We're going to pull down those walls. We're going to provide a way to get this generation across to the promised land. 
And so it, they, they were angry because they were ripping them off. They were taking their ability to create wealth. I believe, Pastor Phil, you're going to have ability to create wealth in young people's lives. I believe it's over him. I believe he's going to be a wealth creator. Now, why do you teach a young person? Because if they have streams of income, they can serve the kingdom more. They can support this house more rather than just surviving on their wage. If you can create that wealth, and I believe it's over Pastor Phil's life, to teach and to create wealth. So we're always teaching our young people to get out of debt. In Nehemiah 5, they're in debt. They're, they've got no grain. They've got no, they're in a famine time, and we've got to bring them out. And Nehemiah, a father, stands up and starts to, uh, uh, stops selling your brothers into slavery, verse 8. Uh, give them back their houses, verse 11. Verse, so we've got to teach them how to get houses. Get proficient. So we're going to send a lot of young people out when they hit 30. And by that time, they'll have a house. They'll have an education. They'll have streams of income. They'll have a marriage. Hopefully, they'll have a few kids and ready to go. Rather than going, oh, I haven't even got a house yet. I just, I'm struggling on my wage and so on. Uh, I haven't even got a wife yet. We've got to train people to get ready to go and so on. And the, the officials did exactly what Nehemiah said. The demonic officials will do exactly what we say. They will bow down and leave the next generation alone so he can prosper them and, and grow them, the enemy that's held them for years. And, and the uh, messengers were sent to him in Nehemiah uh, 6, 3. Uh, so I sent messages to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great... They wanted him to leave the wall. This church is going to get so confident because you're carrying on a great project. This church is going to be almost arrogant with it, a, a righteous arrogance that we're doing a great job. We're not going to get caught up in anything else. Pastor Tony's really got it. He's not going to go left or right. He's going to do, this is what God wants us to do. This is the way, walk you in it. And he said, I'm not going to come down. I'm going to continue to build these walls. So the enemy tried to block them by cutting off the next generation. He set the next generation free and the walls got built. Those walls were in ruin for over 100 years and they were rebuilt in 52 days. A project that no one bothered to pick up. The young generation is a project no one's bothering to pick up. They don't know how to pick it up anyhow. 52 days. Well, you might think this could be, I'm telling you, once you get one change, two change, four change, eight change, 16 change, 32 change. How long does it take to save the whole of the world? If I get one saved, Carol and I, then get Tony and Karen saved that second year, and then the next year we have eight. How long? 32 years. The whole world's saved. Oh, if it's doubled in that time, 33 years. I tell you, multiplication, just as you bring in a few, it just multiplies rapidly. We're in extreme multiplication now. Almost get out of hand now. But there was years of just just your 12 and you build with your 12 and you just then you're 24 and so on. And uh, five years later, you got 48. And, and then 10 years later, you got 96. And suddenly she starts to take off. Okay. I've been under the model the first 12 years. I've lost all of those people except for probably 3% because I wasn't discipling. I wasn't training. I wasn't circumcising their heart. I wasn't teaching them how to pull down walls. I wasn't teaching them how to be united and connected. Then what happened eventually near my 10 is he taught them all to separate themselves unto God. 
Nehemiah 10.28. He taught them all to follow the laws of God. So once you bring them out and get them rid rid of their bondage and what's holding them back, he taught them how to marry in uh, verse 30, how to have good marriages. Uh, In in verse 31, he taught them how to merchandise and do business but not affect the church with that. So you have the church and business working together. And uh, he, he taught them how to serve the house in verse 32 and that they would do services to the house of God. He taught them in verse 34 that families are important and they should contribute to the altar of God. We should all be worshipping here together. He taught them these things. He taught them about giving first fruits. And just right at the end there, because uh, I can't keep going on, I want to get on with some other things. Uh, we will not neglect the house of our God, it says right at the end of verse 39. He taught them how to connect into the whole body. How did he start building everyone? Every family along the wall. He already, they wouldn't have fully understood that. They were arguing, they were discouraging, they were being intimidated as we read those things out today. And so on, but he taught them how to break through. And uh, they became well beaters. They got up and going and moving with power, which is exciting. Praise God. These are the things that God wants to do. These are just prophetic words I wanted to speak into you this morning, which are important. I haven't stopped. I'm getting to the main word today, but uh, the main word today is a corporate anointing will give this church the cutting edge. A corporate anointing will be able to penetrate the next generation, cities, communities. Pastor Tony cannot do it by himself. The days of the one man show are over everyone. Even if he had it all, God wouldn't allow it because he doesn't want one man shows. He wants one body shows. That's the day. It's the day of corporate anointing. It's the day of multicultural churches, not one culture church. It's finished. If you try and just pull one culture together, God won't bless it. Multiculturals, He blesses. There's certain things that God's doing. As a prophet, I'm trying to tell you, it can save you five, ten years of trying to do it another way. It's a corporate anointing. Pastor Tony's already got that. I just want to reinforce the importance of that corporate anointing here today. We need that. Can I read a scripture out to you? Uh, two, uh, 1 Peter 2. And uh, it's, it's, firstly, it starts off in 1 Peter 2. It talks about uh, stop envying each other, stop slandering each other, and so on. Stop, you know, fighting amongst each other. But it goes on to verse 4. And as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans. What happens if you're unusual? You get... Yeah, unusual though. What was the word you had for unusual? Unwanted. Rejected by humans. Unwanted. It's right through here. It's all the time. If you follow me, there's going to be some people not want you and some people that will. That's a choice you've got to make. You're going to be peculiar. Some will love you. I am loved by certain people and hate it by others. I want it by others. It's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy how it works. Livingstone rejected by humans, but chosen by God. Unwanted by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house called the Dream Center to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you're being built together Living stone team being built together. The power today is going to be all of you flowing together. And suddenly David Tilbrook's just exploding here. And you just rejoice with it. 
Uh, even Pastor Tony, I heard his beautiful, gracious words yesterday as he came over to Elder Paul here and said to him that, uh, uh, look, I know you're going to go beyond me. Or I know you're going to really move ahead. And he will because of his age and what he carries into him. My son at 31 is ridiculous where I was at, at 31. It's just you can't even compare it. It's embarrassing. And I'm getting used to it. Caleb slays his ten thousands. That's what you should rejoice. Saul didn't because he's a jealous, you know, insecure man. But it's going to be, oh, Dave, just explodes. You rejoice in that. You still always need your father. You still always need that wisdom. I'm telling you, I've got sons exploding, but they fall over too. And I get alongside of them and they realize, and God says, don't you worry, Pete. They're going to be humble. They're going to get into battles they've never been in before. And when a father comes alongside, they say, I could never survive without you. I didn't realize how important you were in my life, that you could love me and stand with me through this time. And you bring them through. They all will need it. All, there'll be a battle that they can't face and can't win without their dad. And you might win 10 battles. Watch it that you don't go, oh, excuse me, Tony, just move to the side. You're going to always need him. But that's the rejoicing of the house. And that God honours this man. And the Holy Ghost will only work through Tony. It's him. He, he just, and that's when I come to a church that wants to explode. The senior minister can stop me. Boom. Can't do anything about it because the Holy Ghost has installed that man there. He's going to suffer by not coming to the apostolic, but that's another story in itself. Proverbs 30. Array, I've got to the scripture I wanted to share with you. Verse, Proverbs 30, verse 24. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Four things on earth are small. We might be just small here. Little church in Manchester. God loves little beginnings. God loves, you know, it's, you know, too many, too many, Gideon. I'm not going to get any of the glory. You know, if a mega church did what you did, it, you know, it probably God wouldn't get any of the glory. They would have said, we're just big and strong. We have lots of money. And God says, well, actually, I did that. Okay, four things here today. This is all to do with corporate anointing, all to do with unity, all to do with working together. And it says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hydraxes, which are beavers, are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags, in the rocks. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. First, supernatural provision. The ants work hard and they lay up wealth. They, write, they lay up raw material and it's, it's where they, they are supernaturally being able to, like preparation. The preparation this house is going on, the training, the, the courses that have been written, the preparation that's going, the school of prophets, part of that preparation. You are laying up provision. You are getting yourself ready for a battle, everyone. You're getting yourself ready to move ahead in God. The first area is that supernatural provision from God for the whole house. The next generation. Why are we doing this? Because we're looking at that next generation crossing over. Why are we doing this? Because of the prophetic. The prophetic is growing very strong. It's a very rich source in this house. Wealth resources. The house becoming wealthy and strong so it can advance. These are all the things that begin to work in the house. The ants wisely lay up. 
provision. So the word I have for you, the first is preparation that brings provision. There's a lot of preparation going in this house. Ants prepare, don't just provide instantly. They also prepare and have provision for the future. Don't underestimate all what you're doing. You're getting ready for a big battle. You're getting ready for a huge breakthrough. You're getting ready to affect not only this city, but many other cities. That's the exciting part about it. The second area where you're getting the preparation ready was a fortnight ago when I spoke on it. The badger has its protection. You're learning to get protected by the rock, Christ. A weak animal. We're weak. We're so fragile as human beings. But in Christ, we are invincible. We cannot be touched. Colossians 3.3, for you died and your life is now hidden in the crags, in the rocks called Christ, your God. You are hidden in him. So when I step out, who does, who does the enemy see? Man, it's Christ. So when the whole body steps out, he sees Christ. Not just Christ in one man, but Christ in all of us. First time Antioch was these Christians, these Christians were first named, these believers were called Christians. Ephesians 4.16, let's just read that. This is the one man Christ that's being formed. Firstly, your house is provision, is coming, preparation, you're doing preparation, and Christ is being established in the midst of you. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, everyone. Okay, secure in who you are. You've got to be secure in who I'm secure in the crags. I may be fragile, but if the enemy comes, I run into the rock. I run into my fortress, my strong tower. Christ is always coming forth my life. I cannot be got at because I've established Christ in my life. Is this clear, everyone? This is what's happening in this house here. But it's not just Christ in you. It's Christ in the whole body. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 4.16. Ephesians 4.16. This is uh, that scripture often used about the five ascension gifts. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We'll never do it unless each part does its work. You are all crucial. You are all crucial. Everyone's crucial in this house. Everyone's important. But you've got to be established in Christ. The more Christ in you, the more you'll love this vision, the more you'll lay your life down for it, the more you'll work with any awkward person in this church. The more Christ in you, the more love in you, the more unity in you, the more grace in you, the more favour in you, forgiveness in you. You are a crucial part of this church. It's the same frequency of the Spirit. You'll honour one another. The chain of command. This is, you'll stand up as one man. The more Christ manifests in you, the more unity will be in this house. And this is very important, that Christ has to grow in your life. The beatitude should be your life. I've 
got two of my son and daughter that are in a real heavy battle, not in our base at present. And they've written up the Beatitudes and they said, this is the attitude we're going to have in this hard situation right now that we're facing. We've got to have that attitude every day of our life. Humble attitude. Always be prepared to change. If you go through the Beatitudes, emotionally honest. They're being prepared by God powerfully in a difficult place at present. Christ being formed in you. Christ being formed in you. And that's where you can become one body together. If Christ isn't formed in you, you won't fit. You won't fit. Tony doesn't fit. Christ fits. Tony no longer lives. But Christ now lives. And your life is now hidden in Christ. So you read all the scriptures for the rest of your life. Hope this changes your whole life. In Christ. Why does it say it all the time? In Christ, I'm a new creation. In Him. So when I front the devil, I'm in Christ. So who does he see? Christ. And he, he hasn't got an answer. But when Christ is in me, I talk to the Holy Spirit. And there's scriptures that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so the Holy Spirit works with, we've got Christ in Peter, but he's working with this stuff around Peter's life. Does that make sense? And he's sanctifying me and making me more like Christ. But when I switch over and the devil talks to me, it's only Christ. And when he points the finger at me, I say, excuse me, I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood. I'm a whole new creation. Oh, you're past. What past? It's now finished. I'm a new creation. There's a new dawn. That's how, you, that's how we've got to build our lives. If we're like that, he can build us together. Here's the locust part, everyone. The locust is a corporate anointing, everyone. We all synergize together. Even they don't have a king, it says, or a leader, they still all fly together. Unity. It's a unity position, everyone. It's a corporate, it's an equalization. They're all equal together. Oh, that locust is better than that one. What nonsense. It doesn't say the super red locust with have double wings on it. It's, they're all the same. But they, they, their strength is when they all fly together. Their strength is when they stick together. This house has got to realize that's your strength. You know, it's like, oh, David's got this great anointing on his life. He'll be weak if he's not connected into the house. He'll soon go under because God's not going to bless the one man shows. He's not going to bless that at all. So, so when I relate to my team, which is my son's eldership team, it becomes my apostolic team. Because I can't survive anymore. I can't disciple. Peter Ingram does. I can't run the church. Caleb does. I can't reach out to the community. Beck Olver does. I can't look after all the new people. Leanne does. And she has a team of 20 people. I can't look after all the connect groups. I think we've got 30 connect groups and so on. And that's, a, that's a 30 connect group leaders. We're a team now. We are so in need of each other. We so need to be connected to each other. Our eldership was the most important thing of unity, and it is. Now we've had to take it down to the 50, 60 leaders we have. That's crucial because I can't get to that connect group. The elders can't get to that connect group, but we can get to that connect group leader that gets to them. And it will continue to be like that. And we'll all swarm together and we'll take cities and we'll take nations and we're all going to go together. Who's the better one? I don't know. We all look alike here, and we are. Our strength, though, is Christ, the rock. When we get into the rock, that's our strength. Never forget that. 
Never forget that. It's not your anointing, not your grace. It's Christ who gives you that anointing and grace. 1 Corinthians 12. The body is made up of many parts. Oh, look at all the parts here. There's a few old parts here and young parts here and, and dressed up parts here. And okay, Verse 18. But in fact, God placed the parts, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So I was a part once when I first arrived in the church. I was a new Christian part. And I just sat there and soaked up the word part. And then I moved on. My next church, I was, in, I was a leader. No, sorry, I wasn't a leader. I helped a leader. We just helped in youth and so on. And we went to a connect group. We are that part. And then we rose up and became a youth leader. We looked after youth. Okay, I was that part and so on. I wasn't looking for position. I just wanted to be a part. I didn't know what grace I had in my life. I started to get these things on the inside of me. But only Karen and I knew that. And we just became. And then we multiplied another connect group and another one. And suddenly we had six or seven connect groups. Oh, we could multiply. We were still just a part of the body. And then they chose us to send us out and plant a church. That's what the part we were. And so unfortunately, the church was in an old system. So when they send you out, they cut you off. Silly. So I was sort of cut off from that. But you can see God in my heart. He picked up and he linked me into prophet Jonathan David. But it's sort of like they cut you off and they just hope you grow somehow or other. It's weird. It's like you've been with them all along and then you go and all the best. And a lot die. Verse 21, you cannot say, no one in this room, twice it says it in verse 21, you cannot say, I'm not a part of this church. You're not allowed to. Unless, of course, you're playing games, you're church usual and you just attend and it's all about you and, and Christ isn't in your life and you're not going to fly as a swarm and do great things. It's, but you can't say, you can't say, I'm not a part. Oh, check the watch, okay. Okay, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you are part of it. So the one that we run into hide, we become a functioning part of that body. Increased individualism robs the corporate anointing. So if it's just one person, look, there's going to be people rise up and you're going to go, whoa, and that's okay. But increased individual, there'll be like individuals rise up and so on, and it helps the body grow and so on. But if it's all about your ministry and you rising up and you having it, suddenly we're going to lose a connection in the house. Does that make sense? We've got to watch out for that. We've got to watch out for that. Rejoice with everyone's grace. Rejoice with everyone's success. So Pastor Caleb might bring him out and go, this one's really booming in this area. And we all rejoice. Not go, oh, well, how come I'm not brought up and how come I'm not booming? The only ones that struggle with that in our church are charismatic Christians because it's about their ministry and about them rather than it's about their body and their church growing and maturing and so on, which is so important. God will grow us and mature us. Is it making sense? Okay, so it's the laying up provision, prophesying, school of prophets, training, getting ready, and then suddenly we find Christ and we run to him. That's our strength. And then we start to swarm together. Then we start to all get connected and we go in together. We go and start to do things together. 
we're about to go up and pray in Canberra and get a bus and get a bus up there and all go up and pray up there. These are going to swarm together. Pray in Canberra and pray over our city because we pray in our church, but we want to pray over our whole nation. Swarming together. We're going to swarm together into schools. We're going to swarm into all these places. They cause a lot of destruction. Have you ever heard on the news that five locusts today destroyed uh, the fields of uh, Manchester? No. It's five million of them together. When they're together, they are powerful. They are unstoppable. They are a dread. And that's where we're going to be a dread to the enemy. Oh, that church, they just knit together and locked together. Can't stop them. So you become the lizard who gets into a position who gets a platform, who gets into king's palaces, who gets into domains. How did you get here? Well, we just laid up resource. We got prepared. We got trained. Christ, we made him our absolute rock. And we learned to work together. Doors will open up. Unity in the church will open up doors like never before. Corporate anointing takes us to high levels. Corporate anointing takes us to higher levels than we could ever be individually. It's going to take us. There's going to be people end up in high places in this church, sending out teams and going into domains and uh, just walk, starting to step into high places. And that's where our School of Prophets is becoming very well known and, and our force camps getting well known and so on. But it, look, go back. Preparation, Christ, united together. And suddenly we're getting to high places. Suddenly we're influencing Papua New Guinea. Is really, we're starting to get into high places there. I prophesied over probably the next Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea a few months ago and so on. And they're all swarming. They're all quite amazed. But there's a lizard. There's a Peter Nichols just in a king's palace and so on. And I told him that the, they are going to offer him to be Prime Minister and so on, by false means. You're not allowed to be prime minister unless the people vote for you. And God gave me this incredible scripture. And I was like going, what a ripper of a prophecy. And the guy was like, wow. We're all wowing in this room, this scripture. But it was really saying, you don't go, because it looks like the prime minister, so much corruption, is just going to be removed. And he would be the one I said, don't take it. Take it when the people vote for you. It's just a powerful word. And it's got, and I said, and when you're in there, sing out, I'll come and prophesy over your cabinet. And just, he's there, this little lizard is just in a king's palace. But this little lizard believes in unity, corporate anointing, believes in Christ, believes in getting preparation. And God will take you to places like you never. These are four things God said that are extremely important. We must take note of. Okay. Very important. Which brings us. To the last part is an apostolic base, everyone, is always corporately anointed, always united. Acts, one heart, one mind. One heart, one mind. Now, we're not wrestling and fighting. It's one pattern, one Christ, one baptism. It's just, we just know where we're going. And look, it's okay if you're not with us. Go and find a church you can join. Put your heart into it. Some people go, oh, I don't like this in the church. I say, that's okay. Go and find one that doesn't worship as long as us. Or go and find one that doesn't disciple. Or go and find one that doesn't clean up their hearts. Whatever your problem is. That's okay. And so on. But 
and give your heart to it and go for it. Guess what? They never do because they it's offense. It wasn't us as the problem. So, but it's it's a corporate anointed. I used to try and cater for those people. I used to waste a lot of time on disobedient Christians. Weeds, which I won't anymore. The apostolic center has a corporate anointing. Therefore, it becomes a spiritual womb to birth new moves. It's healthy. It can birth new moves because it's corporately anointed. It can just move things in the heavenly realms. Secondly, it can send out teams because they're all connected and related. Grace is going to see this. You're going to see it in operations. It won't be theory. You'll go, whoa. You'll see it. Scott's seen it. Scott's going to be addicted to it. He's going to go, and dad and him will have a great relationship as they come back. It'll be exciting. And Scott will be going out on teams and so on. It produces sons of continuity and succession because they're all one heart. They're all one mind. Not sons of confusion. Not sons doing their own thing. So Caleb, this is an interesting one. The ministers fraternally went to that now city. And so Caleb's there. And no, the guy who's in charge of it rang him up. And so, so now you're in charge, Caleb. Yeah, must be a bit of a relief now. You won't have to do what your dad tells you. And uh, he said, <laughs> he, was, he was really calm. But he could hear the devil in it, sadly enough. He could hear a man of a competition, a man of climbing the ladder, a man of church usual. And Caleb says, you know, you just, just don't understand that uh, uh, it's a joy to do what my father's imparted to me. And I long to do everything that he's placed. And the guy just thought, uh-oh, just shut him off. What was this morning? Chris ran into this guy and said, how big's your church? You want the huggers all and sort of, that. how big is it? And, and he, he's brilliant. You'll be proud of him. He said, it's how big God is in your church. That's it. That's corporate unity. That's all divided up with numbers. Nah, so, this is our spirit. This is our heart. It's how big God is. He's got it. He's converted. It provides a pattern. It provides a pattern because we're all one heart. We're all one mind. It's a pattern. I understand it's a pattern. The little kids in our Sunday school understand the same pattern. When they come into teenage ignition youth, it's not like, oh, this is a different pattern. Same pattern. Oh, we honor parents here. Oh, we, we prophesy here. Oh, we believe God here. Oh, we, we get ourselves full of the Holy Ghost here. Same pattern. And they walk into young adults. Same pattern. And when they go out and plant a church, same pattern. Because you can send out that pattern. Continuity. And um, the last one is uh, an apostolic place enables us to reach higher spiritual dimensions and positions itself to rule in the heavenly realms. It just because of that unity, you can't help but keep going up. The Holy Ghost is a fanatic over unity. He gets so hurt by division. He loves it. So he's like a dove and he comes and rests on the unity. He rested on Christ and off it took. And then he came in Acts 2 and he rested on. They were all in one accord. That's not Honda Accord, everyone. That's all in one accord together. One heart together, one mind. And the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to rest on that. And the church exploded. Couldn't stop it. And Apostle Peter stood up with the 11 other apostles and said, we will tell you how it's going to run. 
all in one accord. So Jonathan David is my apostle Peter. But I have other apostles that I listen to or chat to or read their books or whatever. But my key apostle is Papa Jonathan. He's my key apostle. He's my source. But it's not like I just have him and no other apostles. No, I've uh, got other apostles I've had in my life and connected to and relate to and so on. But they're not my father. Peter the apostle, Jonathan David is. Does that make sense? But it's not like, you know, it's a, so, and all apostles, if you're truly apostle, you should link in with every other apostle. It should be just the same. We all should be one in court. That's what the church will come to. All the apostles one day, all the churches will all come together as one man. And that's Christ. So when Christ matures, he goes into king's palaces. Because he's all united together. It's not like the leg wants to stay at home and, sort of, and the arm wants to go to the football today. <laughs> and, and, the, and the head's thinking of this girl over here. It all walks together. It's one man. It's stature, mature, functioning. And you want to just rejoice that you're part of it. You want to rejoice you're a little part of it. I was a little part of it and rejoiced of it. Never looked for position my whole life. Never chased it ever. I was just part of that grace. And the grace kept growing. It kept growing, kept growing. Because I was just part of the body. And then I found myself being in a part where it's probably more honoured than other parts. But I was in parts where it was dishonoured. Just that youth leader or just this or just fixing up the chairs or whatever. Irrelevant. My three girls just watching them last night. It was beautiful. Just putting up the chairs and so on, the school of prophets and so on. It, in our church, we wouldn't allow them to do it because they're girls. Or well, they shouldn't allow them to do it, Sam, should they? <laughs> Yeah, it depends. We had 12 girls one year and they did all, all of that. All the yeses. Let's all stand. Hope this has made sense this morning. And that, oh, we're going to get a whole generation. We're going to get them into the promised land. That's God's aim. And a whole generation. Father God, we just lift up holy hands to you, Lord God, and we just receive the word, that prophetic word into our life. Let's just cement it right now into our hearts right now in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God. Firstly, we start off, Father God, with provision, pre preparation, training, getting ready. School of Prophets we've just done. We're getting ourselves ready, preparation, getting ready. And then, Father God, we just understand Christ has to be part of that preparation, that no matter where we are, we will always be able to run to the crags, the rocks, and have protection. Christ will always be our protection. Father God, we declare that in Jesus' name. We just declare that in the name of Jesus. Father God, and we thank you. We're going to be united. I think that's the major thing today, unity and so on. Pastor Tony won't have to get rid of anyone or anything in this church. We don't even have to think that way. If we all come to unity, just the ones who don't want to get united, they can find somewhere else. And I don't want to sound nasty in that, but the unity will sort everyone out. The flying together, standing together, one heart, one mind, all in one accord. It's been here from the day I first came to this church. You could sense the unity growing in your midst. But that unity is going to go into teams, certain parts. Phil's got this team. Paul's got this team. There's going to be certain parts and teams the unity will begin to move into. Got to understand that. What is it all for? To get into king's places, to get into domains, to get into places where we'll influence greatly. 
and so on. So Tony sits down with a local politician, the mayor, and he says, uh, I'm also a community builder and I'm here to meet you today. I've got a, a church of 100 plus people and we're ready to move into that project to help you. That's powerful. And mayor will go, what? Yeah, and that's where you can step into it because you're all one heart, one mind. Pastor Tony says, look, this is how we're going to win the city in this way. The mayor has a big problem. No one's helping him. We are. God's told me this is it. And we step into it. And he goes, I've never seen this before in my life. And it'll be cleaned up. You know, like the apostles had a problem. They brought in seven disciples. Shoom, gets cleaned up. Unity, oneness. Father God, we just thank you, Father, for unity like never before. We thank you, Father God, that uh, we'll be seen in king's palaces, king's places, Lord God. Unusual, it'll be like, wow, what are you doing here? Well, I'm here because I've gone through the process. Lord, I just want to speak that out over the house. This will be a house of circumcised hearts. Father God, this will be a house, Father God, of Bethel, a house of an open heaven, Lord God, we declare in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God. Father God, we thank you, a house of Jericho that will pull down walls, will pull down obstacles, things that oppose us that need to be removed. So then we can get into the promised land. This will be a house where the whole next generation, we call it a whole next generation, will come in, be discipled, be trained, and be able to enter into their promises, enter into their destiny, enter into their dreams, we declare in Jesus' name. We declare it in the name of Jesus. We thank you for these last few days, Lord God. We just seal it in you. Father God, we thank you for the relationship between our churches. Father God, we thank you for the love that flows, that Christ that flows, Lord God. Father God, and we're here flying as locusts together, so to speak. Here, you know, moving together in one accord, Melbourne and Manchester, Lord God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. We commit this time to you, Lord God, and our hearts to you. Just right now, just in your hearts, just to get your heart right in unity. You've got to make up your mind. This is, this is a church I attend, or this is my family, this is my house, this is my royal priesthood. This is the place that God has sent me. If not, you better get on your knees and find out where it is.